Thank you for tuning into the Sports Ethos Mets podcast. This is your host, Cody Mallory, on Twitter at RealCodyMallory. I am joined by my two co-hosts, Anthony Dittmar, on Twitter that is at AnthonyDittmar underscore, and Joe Farrow on Twitter that is at the Joe Farrow. Guys, thanks for holding it down last episode when I was unable to record. How you guys been? Uh, with, with Nets basketball or without? <laughs> Maybe a little bit of both, because one yeah. will probably be depressing, one will hopefully be a little happier. They're both depressing, honestly. So, <laughs> yeah, my car got total today, so depressing. <laughs> yeah, that's a tough scene. I mean, I'm doing a little bit better than Anthony is. At least I could say that, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well... Before we get into, I guess we got to call it a basketball game that we watched tonight. Um, I just want to talk about Goran Dragic. I know you guys pretty much covered it in length in the last episode. But as all the listeners realize, I wasn't there. So I wasn't able to give my opinion on it. Cody hates Goran Dragic. <laughs> no, I think it's a huge, <laughs> huge addition for the Mets. And I actually called for it. Mm, I wouldn't say in like in December when he wasn't playing. He was going to get bought out. And then I wrote an article for the Brooklyn game about why he'd be a good fit and why I think he will come to the Nets. And I really harped on the relationship with Steve Nash that Dragic had. Um, he's called Steve Nash's mentor. Obviously, they were teammates for, I believe, 174 games. So I knew they had that connection. And then we heard Sean Marks at the press conference with the season ticket holders when he was asked about the signing of Goran Dragic, said he had to give all the credit to Steve Nash. And he said seeing their relationship, talking about Nash and Dragic, was really special and that he's excited to see how that goes. And then Dragic went on to say he would love to retire, being coached by Steve Nash as his last coach, et cetera, et cetera. So that's why he came to Brooklyn was the Steve Nash connection. I think we've kind of seen that before with Griffin and Aldridge. Yes, the next being a contender, if they're ever healthy, certainly helps these veterans to want to come here. But forget the X's and O's, the substitutions or whatever. People want to play for Steve Nash, and that's incredibly valuable in the NBA because – Unlike other sports, talent usually wins in basketball. It's not football where it's just a one-game kind of thing where anything can happen. It's a best of seven. So usually the best team wins um, besides injuries is the main impact. And that's very valuable for the Nets to have that. As for the actual fit of Dragic on the Nets, um, obviously he's a huge upgrade over Javon Carter. Anyone can see that. The Nets ended up waving Carter. But besides that, he's not the player that he once was, of course. I know he was an all-star once in his career. But he was huge to the Miami Heat when they made the finals in the bubble. I think that's, what, two years ago now? Uh And, like, he can still be a contributor for a championship team in a limited aspect. You're not going to get 35 minutes from him scoring 25 points, but the Nets don't need that. They need him to maybe play 20 minutes a game, score 10 to 12 points and play make and just knock down open threes, which Dragic is definitely capable of doing. He's a hard-nosed player. He's super competitive. He's a good leader. So I think it's a home run signing for the Mets. Um, 
every player that gets bought out is not the same player they once were. That's why they get bought out. It doesn't mean they're washed. I was told that Lamarcus Aldridge is washed, and now he's having his most efficient season ever. He's shooting like over fifty-five percent, averaging almost fourteen points and six rebounds in like 20, 25 minutes. Like that's those are good numbers for a player that's washed up. So all in all, my take: Go on, Drogic. He can play numerous roles for the Nets. He can have the ball in his hands. He's a capable spot-up shooter. Um, I think it's a great signing for the Mets. If you guys just want to give your short opinion on it, since you talked about it at length last episode, I'd just love to hear it again. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know if we remember, but, like, I think one of our early episodes, we talked about, like, ideal acquisitions for the Nets. And, like, this, was, this had to be, like, like, maybe four or five months ago at this point. But I had said, like, Goran Dragic is a guy I'd love to see end up on this team, especially with the Kyrie Irving situation going on. And it turns out it ended up being a reality. So, I mean, I think all three of us have really wanted this all season long. And it was just a matter of time until Goran ended up bought out and has a Brooklyn net. And like you said about uh, Goran being huge in that bubble run, I know Anthony had pointed that out last episode. And he was talking about how valuable he could be if he could even be like, like 70% of that player. That would be phenomenal for us. Yeah, honestly, sure. like, like it, uh, it's definitely an upgrade for Javon Carter. Like I said, like the, the, you hopefully have the bubble version of Goran Dragic, or at least like seventy-five percent of that. I think no matter what, the bar is pretty low for him. Like considering like what he was replacing, but I just hope everyone on this team just gets healthy at once. It's like a, it's on. I'm so sick of saying that. Like I'm getting to a point where like we need to just see some results. It's been like three years into this like superstar era, and I felt like we watched like ten games total of like this full team potential it's like really infuriating like i know like we're like it's like we're so close that's like kind of even more infuriating now but like every loss it just gets more and more like oh my god when is this actually going to happen that's how i feel about it at least yeah well we got the update today kind of transition into that steve nash said that ben i'm sorry that kevin durant and goran jogic are close he said he's not sure if they're going to play Saturday, but he expects them to play for the next three games. And that was before tonight. Um, ben Simmons is a little farther away. He, they said his main thing holding him back is conditioning, which is obviously no surprise. Um, Joe Harris, Ian Eagle said tonight on TNT on the broadcast that they are planning to make a decision within the next week as to whether he can just rehab and come back or if he has to have that second surgery and likely miss the rest of the season. So Yeah, but Steve, Steve Nash literally just said, I wasn't aware of that. Did he? <laughs> yeah, he just said it. <laughs> yeah, well, that's interesting. Yeah, very. Is Steve Nash aware of anything? <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Yeah, you got, I don't have the uh, press conference quotes in front of me. I was too depressed after the loss. I didn't allow to turn my computer on. But um, and then, Brian Brian Lewis just tweeted uh, when apprised when apprised of the TNT broadcast saying that the Nets should know by the end of the week whether Joe Harris would need a second surgery. He said he wasn't aware of that. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean. <laughs> I even kind of 
brought everyone's fear of the Joe Harris situation where he basically said a second surgery would end the season. Yeah. And that's why the Nets have been delaying it. I, mean, I kind of felt that a couple episodes ago I said that. I don't know if Steve Nash is aware of that. I mean, Iron Eagle is like the goat of all goats when it comes to commentators, in my opinion. I feel like he wouldn't just make that up. So he's getting it from somewhere. Yeah. But And then there is some light in the Kyrie Irving situation. Yes, there is. And Mayor Adams, I don't have the exact quotes in front of me. Joe or Anthony, do you guys have them by chance? I'll look for them, but go ahead into uh, whatever you Basically, I don't want to say what he said because Joe's working on getting those actual quotes, but there's light at the end of the tunnel. Said he would be excited, I believe, to... Relax the mandates means that New York City's turning the page. I got it. I know that you got it. Yeah, I know their positivity yeah. rate was like 1.3% or something yesterday. So, but yeah, Joe, give us the quotes. When asked about, when asked if he has a plan for phasing out COVID vaccine mandates for indoor spaces in the city, uh, Mayor Adams said yes, and I cannot wait to get it done. He adds that he foresees an announcement on something related to this in the next few weeks. This was yesterday. So, I mean, it seems like at this point it's going to happen yes. before the playoffs. It's just a matter of timing and how long it takes before it officially happens. Do you guys feel like that's a fair assessment? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I hope that it's before our final eight games of the season where Kyrie would only be eligible to play in one of them before the playoffs. <laughs> um, so that, that would help. Uh, if we can get Kyrie back for those like that last stretch of like ten or so games and really have the whole crew together, that would be ideal. That would be very good for us heading into the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, even just listening to the games tonight, um, kind of what, like Charles Barkley or Shaq or even Kenny or Stan Van Gundy, they're all very high on the Nets on paper, which I believe everyone should be, just given the names and the amount of talent they have. But like Anthony said, at some point, like, they got to play because as great as it looks, if they don't play or aren't available or can't get it done, then it's just going to continue to be a, man, what could have been or what could have happened had they been able to be on the court. And I think Joe made a good point. They have 22 games left in the season now. At least the last 10, you got to be full strength to try to get some kind of rhythm going into the playoffs, whether – what seed you are. Who knows? They're eighth right now, and they just lost to Boston in six. So I think Boston's up, like, what, three and a half games now? With the tiebreaker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the tiebreaker. So, like, at some point, on paper, it looks great. Um, the roster is deep. It's talented. It's loaded. They got stars. They have every kind of position. They have a traditional big now. I guess the one thing you said they're lacking is, like, three and D wing. But at some point, it's got to come together and show results on an actual basketball court. Yeah, we need, we definitely need to get all our guys on the court together sooner rather than later if we really want to have a chance of making a deep playoff push. Yeah, and I want to go on the record as saying I still think the Nets are my favorite to come out of the East, and I'm not just saying that because I'm a Nets fan, but. 
at some point, like I said, it's gotta it's gotta actually be shown on the court. But they just have so much talent when healthy. And I mean, they have Kevin Durant, which is a uh, pretty big thing to have, I would say. <laughs> and he's close. He did full practice uh, yesterday, full participation, and everyone's saying he looks like Kevin Durant. So we'll see. I mean, I guess there's that possibility he plays Saturday against Milwaukee, and they have Kyrie, Durant, Dragic. They'll still be without Harris and Simmons, but, I mean, that's still a good enough team to beat Milwaukee, in my opinion, on Saturday. But we'll get to our picks later. Yeah, I I agree. It's like um, – I think it's just a little bit different, and people are more hesitant to really, like, buy in on us now because, like, you saw Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, and James Harden all on the court together, and you saw how dominant they could be when they're all there. But, like, now it's like you're waiting for all these pieces to come back, and it's a different team. But in reality, it's like the team is better on paper, and I expect it to look a lot better on the floor. So so it's like even though people are, like, hesitant to buy in, I think it's mainly just because there's so many new pieces and the team is just uh, structured differently more than the actual talent itself, because there's no doubt that we have the talent. Yeah, Steve Nash has his hands full. He's got to integrate, like, Drummond, Curry, Irving full-time, Durant coming back, obviously Ben Simmons. Like, he has to pretty much put together an entire brand-new team in, like, 15 games if we're lucky. So it'll be interesting. Just before we go into the Celtics game, Charles Barkley was saying that he believes the Nets offense will be better than it was last season with James Harden. I mean, obviously that is saying with Ben Simmons and Seth Curry pretty much in a drum, that the Nets offense will be better than it was with James Harden. What do you guys take on that? Um, I think the ball definitely will be like more ball moving. I was gonna <laughs> It'll be hopping. I caught myself. Um, I think more ball movement. I think a lot of guys more catch and shoot and like off the dribble, like a lot of that kind of stuff. And I think Ben Simmons passing well up a lot. I just think it's gonna be a work in progress to everyone's back. It's just as simple as that. Like Patty Mills looks tired out there. I'm gonna be completely honest. Like, I know I don't know if we're on this topic, but I don't think Joe Harris is coming back this year, man. Like everything is there's nothing to lead me to believe that he's come back. So like Patty Mills needs to get together, like Seth Curry's gotta play a big role. Like a lot of these guys aren't the gel, but I think the offense overall is going to be at a more ball movement heavy, and I think it's going to be better overall, like a better brand of basketball. Yeah. Yeah, I, agree. I don't. I couldn't agree more. I don't, I don't know if they're going to be more efficient, but I think they're going to score more simply because they're going to play faster. Is what I will say. If I just, and I mean, they. I'm interested to see how the offense looks, and when you have like a Ben Simmons and an Andre Drummond on the floor together. And I think that's going to be Nash's biggest challenge is when he has Drummond and Simmons together. Because if you have just Simmons or just Drummond, then you've got like a Kyrie Irving, a Kevin Durant, a Kyrie Mills, a Seth Curry. Like the offense should be easy because you're just got dominant player down low and then shooters all around them with great ISO players. Like the offense should be easy. Now. But if you're starting Simmons and Drummond together, 
that's when I feel like Nash really has to figure something out to make the offense flow. And I think the hope is that the Nets are just going to play fast and score points before the defense can set up with that kind of lineup. So that's, that's what I'm most interested to see, but I'm excited to see it. Yeah, there's. I, I expect when everybody is healthy, it's going to look like a, like a much different team. There's going to be so many transition points scored, I think, just because with a lot of the lineups that you run, everybody is so quick and so athletic with the exception of, like, LaMarcus Aldridge. So it's, like, even, like, Drummond for, like, his size, like, he is quick. And, like, especially getting, getting down the floor. Like, you saw, like, a couple of times – so far, he's ended up on a one-man fast break and throwing it down in transition. So it's like it's we have a lot of guys that like to play with pace, can shoot the lights out, and can attack the rim. So I'm just very excited to see what the offense looks like once everybody is fully together, which seems that we're not too far away. Yeah. Another thing with Drummond is, before we move on to the Celtics game tonight, he's a very underrated passer. We've mm-hmm. seen it out of the low post. We've also seen his outlet passes are, like, really impressive. Like, leading the guy almost like a through ball in soccer, like, perfectly placed so the guy can catch it on, like, a sprint. And if he's outletting those to Ben Simmons or Durant or Irving, or even if Simmons is getting the rebound himself and just going coast to coast, I think the Nets are going to score a ton of transition points, which will help alleviate the pain of – a half-court offense that might have Simmons and Drummond on the floor together. I agree, for sure. All right, let's dive into the Celtics game. Um, I was the only one who picked the Nets to lose. So, um, Anthony, how's last place treating you right now, my boy? You should know. Uh, you had it. You had a held all season. <laughs> 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 Fair enough, I guess, but I've officially broken free. I'm surprised you both picked the uh, Nets to win tonight against a red hot Celtics team. But, Anthony hey, Sweet talked me into it. Anthony, yeah. thank you. I'm only four games behind Joe now. Only. And I'm one up on Anthony. But uh, as for the basketball, I, I think the Celtics are criminally underrated. Personally, I think they're right there with like Miami and Philadelphia. I think they have two stars in Tatum and Tatum Brown. Robert Williams is a very good rebounder, shot blocker. Dog. Robert Williams is a fucking dog. I agree. Al Horford can somewhat spread the floor. But I think Derek White was one of the quietest additions at the trade deadline and an incredibly good addition for the Celtics. He kind of fits their team better than what Dennis Schroeder was because the Celtics want to play for Nets, do They want to switch on defense. And we saw it a lot tonight when the Nets tried to do a dribble handoff with Smart, Tatum, Brown, Derek White, Al Horford. They can all switch and pretty much guard every position. And they've been the best defensive team in this year. Yes, I'm talking about 2022, not the actual basketball year. And Steve Nash even said it uh, before the game tonight. They've been the best defensive team in 2022, and it's not even close. And we saw the Nets really struggle to generate any offense for a majority of the night. Um, They scored 22 points in the first quarter. And 22 points in the third quarter, 
they were shooting like sub 40% for the majority of the game. They finished at 41.5. But the Celtics are good. Um, I don't have too many takeaways from the Nets because, once again, like, how many of these guys are realistically going to be playing when the Nets get three All-Stars back, Goran Dragic, and maybe, hopefully, Joe Harris. So, like, I don't know. I think in the long run, it could benefit the Nets. You got guys like Drummond and Curry and Mills being guarded heavily and they won't be in the near future. And they're going against team starters when they will be playing against teams reserves that they will definitely be better than. Anything you guys want to say about the game tonight? Nah, Patty Mills is really – shots was struggling. Um, I think he's really hurt from over minutes he's played and, like, the lack of Joe Harris being there for spacing. Um some of the guys, like he says, a lot of the guys are not going to be like mainstays in the rotation. I don't know what the fascination with James Johnson is. I feel like it's sometimes a little forced. Like sometimes he does bring some good energy, but when, like tonight he started like the first nine minutes of the third quarter. Like, what are we doing here? Like, we obviously need some offense. I understand he brings some like defensive ability, and I say that loosely. Like, it doesn't really make sense sometimes. And I don't know, just like a lot of guys look flat. It's just what can you do? The Celtics are really rolling. It's kind of like, uh, a bad situation. You kind of wanted some of the guys back out of the break, but you can't really do much about it. But they got to start playing their guys. Like it's getting to a point where it's like do or die. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't agree James more. It's kind of a very poor game, I would say, compared to yeah. the last time. Yeah, I mean James Johnson. Like I don't like point James Johnson. He is. <laughs> He try. I really think he just tries to force so much when he's on the floor, and like he's the lead ball handler in some groups. Because it's like Patty Mills not a true point guard, Cam Thomas not a true point guard. But I feel like we're gonna see less and less of that because Goran Dragic is very is gonna be gonna be playing for us very soon. Kyrie Irving should be full time very soon. Kevin Durant will be back. Um, ben Simmons will be playing for us very soon. It's going to be a lot of the ball handling, handling responsibilities are going to be taken away from guys like that. And, like, we had Bruce Brown taking, like, at the tip-off tonight, taking from the point guard spot. It was like, it was like, what are we going to do? You know, it was like, I didn't, we really, like, we did this two days ago. The last pods, like, we didn't know who was going to play. We were being optimistic that KD was going to play right away. And it just, it didn't happen. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it didn't happen. It didn't work out well for us, but. Who knows? Maybe we get him Saturday, but it, it was rough. There was nothing really to take away from this game. It's just like we, we're still in the process of waiting for all our guys. Yeah, I mean, you know, the Nets ran into a hot team that's playing well. I think they won 9 out of 10 before the All-Star break. 9 out of 11. Uh, 9 out of 11, yeah. They lost to the Pistons, ironically. But anyways... Um, and the Nets were incredibly short-handed, so not much to say. Um, you guys want to give like our tiers of the Eastern Conference at full strength before we go into picking for the Bucks game? Oh, uh, sure. I'll go first since I have mine okay. ready. I'm kind of throwing you guys on the spot. <laughs> yeah. So once again, this is at full strength. So like, not right now, not currently. So I guess it's on paper, which paper never happens, but. My tier is 1A is the Brooklyn Nets. Right behind them at 1B is the Milwaukee Bucks. 
And then the next tier below that, I have the 76ers, Heat, and the Celtics kind of all together, I guess, like a 2, 2A. And then right below that, at 2B, I have the Bulls and the Cavs. And then several notches below that, I have the Raptors. And then right behind that, the Hawks and the Hornets and everyone else. So I guess my groups are Nets, Bucks, 76ers, Heat, Celtics, and then Bulls, Cavs, and then Raptors, Hawks, Hornets, and then followed by the rest of the league. Yeah, I mean, at full strength, the Nets and the Bucks are Tier 1. Um, tier 2, I would probably have the Bulls in Tier 2. Um, they have a lot of – like, I mean, they, they just have a loaded roster too. And, like, the young kid, Io DeSumo, he's been killing it. He's like he's bringing an added aspect as a second round pick that not many guys really saw coming. Um, so tier two, I'll have the Bulls, I'll have uh, the Heat, I'll have the Sixers, I'll put the Celtics in the tier with the Cavs, where it's like I feel like the Cavs even have more upside in the playoffs than the than the Celtics do. I mean, it's kind of weird to say because the Celtics just washed us like twice in the last two weeks, <laughs> but like, but like I feel like in the playoffs when it's a seven game series. I don't think they have a single chance of beating us like a tier one team four times in seven games. Um, and I mean, the Cavs, I think they're just young. Their inexperience is going to hurt them. The Hawks have been very inconsistent. So like, I'll put them like a tier below and then the Raptors are with the Hawks. And then it's just like the rest of the East is kind of like donkey ass. So like, <laughs> like so I guess our main, our main difference is you pretty much swap the Celtics and the Bulls. But yeah, that, pretty sure. much. Yeah. Um, For me, I guess I go 1A and 1B, like whatever order. It's probably Bucks and Nets. I think tier two for me is the Bulls, the Heat, and the Sixers, like all tied. Tier three is the Celtics and Cavs. I give the Celtics a little bit of edge because of star power, in my opinion. Then after that, it's all kind of just like wishy-washy between like Charlotte, Toronto, and like all those other teams. Yeah. Yeah. We basically all had like around the same idea. I think just me and Anthony are a little bit higher on the Bulls than uh than Cody is. Yeah, I don't know. I don't believe in the Bulls, to be honest. I think if the Celtics and the Bulls played, I think the Celtics would win in six. Like I, I, oh. I don't know. I wouldn't be too high on the Celtics. Someone tweeted, you I was like, oh, you must be from Boston. Like, no, like, I actually hate the Celtics. <laughs> I, uh, I very much dislike them. A lot of my He's friends living in a lot of my friends living in Connecticut are big Boston Celtics fans, and they're obnoxious. So I've hated them ever since high school. But I don't know, man. I just think Tatum and Jalen Brown are such a good one-two that. They're scary for me. But. They are scary, but I, I just think the supporting cast is not good enough. Like I think it's like you have you have Tatum and you have Brown, and then like you then you have like the tier two players, which is like Robert Williams, Derek White, and Marcus Smart. But then like other than that, it's like that team is very like ass. <laughs> like yeah, I don't but you got you got Robert Williams, you got Horford. I think uh, Grant Williams has taken a big step forward. He's shooting forty five percent from three this year. He's like fourth in the league. Yeah, Celtics fans were calling for that man to get decapitated last year. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, true. And then I mean, after that, yeah, their bench is pretty freaking janky. I'm not gonna lie, but I mean, that's so, a sorry, I just don't think I don't think they have enough to really contend with other teams right now. 
but I, mean, I could I, be wrong. The Bucks depth is also a concern for them, I would say. Well, I mean, they're taking all the Nets 16th for men in the rotation. <laughs> so. Javon Car- yeah. Anthony, we called it on the last episode. We said the Bucks are going to go sign Javon Carter, and they did like an hour and a half later. <laughs> unreal. <laughs> just unreal. They're just trying to get on schemes. That's what they're doing. Uh, they are, I mean, well, like Javon Carter, that's just – I'm surprised that he got picked up that fast. <laughs> Oh, man, we're going to get a Javon Carter revenge game on Saturday, aren't we? Oh, and, uh, that point of attack defense that I saw or heard in Mets Twitter spaces from some, like, Warriors fan or something saying how the Mets team up their best point of attack defender. Like, <laughs> I was just like, what? That's why I don't go in these spaces. Sometimes some people like get talking to just shouldn't have them. <laughs> but, uh... Back to that Javon Carter revenge game on Saturday. Let's make our picks. Uh, Joe, you're still up first, my guy. Still up first? Oh, wait. Yeah, yeah we're, we're right. I forget. Me. I forgot that we do it like that. Um, I'll take a loss against the Bucks. All right, Anthony, you're up. Oh, wait, never mind. I nope. passed you. It's me who picked second. Uh, my mistake. That was kind of fucked up, Anthony. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to be honest. I think that Drogic and Durant are going to play on Saturday after the Mets just got their ass beat tonight. I think uh, they're going to probably put a little bit of a sense of urgency. And I'm going to pick a win. I think the Mets are going to go into Milwaukee. Milwaukee's kind of struggling. They haven't been playing great basketball either. They've kind of been underachieving. Um, and I'm going to pick the Mets. Damn, you're going to be tied with Anthony again because I know Anthony's about to take a loss. <laughs> I'm going to take a win for the Brooklyn Nets. <laughs> wow. Okay, I will stay in the second no matter what. And I will gain on both of you by one game. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, it's, I it's do I do think that Drogic and Durant play, but I still don't think that's enough to take down a healthy Bucks squad right now. That's just me, though. I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong. Uh, we need wins. And that, that is the uh, Bucks' first game back from the All-Star break. So they're going to be a little rusty, I think, Joe. A little rusty coming out of the break. Yeah, because the Celtics were so rusty tonight. <laughs> you know what? Tonight was different. Saturday's a new day. Saturday's a new day. <sighs> Anything else you guys want to touch on? Javon Carter revenge game is coming on Saturday, and that's the yeah, reason. That's the reason why I'm gonna gain a game on you too. <laughs> you make me sick if that happens. He's going for at least he's going for at least twelve points. I'm telling you, right <laughs> twelve points. I mean, after we just after we've seen Marcus Smart do a huge dunk in the Nets this year, that man's like a thirty-one percent shooter, and he is just killing the Nets from three. He was yeah. five of six tonight. He like pulled one from the logo and it was just splash like unreal. So I guess I shouldn't be surprised if Javon Carter shoots five and six from three on Saturday. Yep, exactly. Anthony, you got anything? I'm good, man. Man. All right. Once again, this was the Sports Ethos Nets podcast with Cody, Anthony, and Joe. Thank you for tuning in. Hopefully, in the very near future, these episodes will have a little different twist to them because the Nets will actually have 
their players play. As crazy as a concept as that seems, hopefully we'll be there within the next week. Let's go Nets, weather the storm, remain patient, better things are coming soon. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com podcast. Easier said, done.